Hey, everybody. This is uh, Thursday. It's July 20th, 2023. And this is the Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast and also the Summer 2023 SIU Information Technology 350 class, the real world IT seminar is what we call it. And today we have, uh, like most commonly is, another SIU grad, an IST alum, and uh, like I tend to have on here, a, a cool dude who's done a lot of stuff, Jory. And, um, you know, there's, there's um, you know, we just talked to Taha the other day, and, and he's a, a, a Cerner, um, you know, out of college Cerner person. Uh, Jory did the same thing. We're going to talk a little bit about that and see what he's been up to recently. Um, so this should be fun, and we should hear some stuff, because what you are doing now um, involves kind of like pre-sales work and that's an area I don't think we've talked to anybody about so I'm excited to hear about that because um you know I had I've had a lot of uh of, of interaction over my days with 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 salespeople for IT stuff and having the person like you behind the scenes or sometimes in the mix is critical so we'll talk mm -hmm. about that um but first Introduce yourself, Jory, and tell us where you're from and, and what do you like to do for fun? All right. Hey, Tom. Uh, so my name is Jory Krasner. Um, I am currently living in Arlington Heights, Illinois, so I'm from this general area. And what do I like to do for fun? It's a, it's a tough one. Uh, in the summertime, I, I love getting out as much as I possibly can because it's the warm weather. It's the perfect time. Uh, but I love playing disc golf. Um, one of our other SIU alums got me into it and, you know, I'll go hit courses just because, hey, there's some like right five minutes away, quick work day, go throw a few discs, come back. So who is who is the alum that uh, got you into this? Uh, Neil Wachter and Nate oh. Wagner. OK, that's pretty yeah. cool. And when so when you were here on campus, did you play at the disc golf that was right outside our building? I did not. I after just that. didn't get into it at the time. Didn't even really realize what it was. So I just saw people throwing discs. I'm like, oh, they're playing Frisbee. That's a college thing. <laughs> I certainly played a lot of Frisbee in college up in Chicago. Um, yeah. But uh, it was a completely different um, end goal. It was to not hit the people that were around us with the Frisbee while we were in the <laughs> crowded park and and not trying to like expertly you know, navigate the Frisbee over to a, uh, a disc golf hole. So that's, that's oh, you don't get extra neat. points for that. You know, I have a good buddy <laughs> named Greg, who's a chef. Uh, he he's, he's from, he's from Alto Pass, been a friend since, since junior high. And when we were, he, he lived up in Chicago, same time as us. And I have a, rem a memory. It was very, very vivid. We were up in um, Lincoln square on the North side at some sort of mm -hmm. like, summertime music and food festival and we're out there you know just the two of us playing frisbee with people around and he's kind of like not paying attention probably trying to look cool or something and he nails a pregnant lady like right in the thigh no. and she was pretty ticked and i can still no. see it i can still see it happening um and it was you know it was disappointing because you know you never want to hit a pregnant woman with a frisbee yeah. accidentally when you're you know, when you're out there just trying to have fun. And anyway, yeah. that, um, so yeah, you don't get points. In fact, you get yelled at if you, okay. you know, yeah. 
So, um, and now I'm wondering if I should cut that part out of this, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll probably roll with it because I'm no fault of my own. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, and that that buddy of mine, this is kind of cool, uh, that buddy of mine, and I, I go on tangents and I, I'm sorry about that, but. That's okay. I like he's, it. He was a chef and uh, I was watching Chopped uh, on the Food Network probably about four or five years ago. It's just one of those shows where they have chefs and they compete to see who can do the best with whatever's thrown at them. And I turn on the TV one Sunday night, getting ready to go to bed for work. And there's my buddy, Greg, competing on this show. And I hadn't talked to him in a few years and there he is. So shout out to oh, my, wow. buddy, my buddy, Greg. Uh, anyway, so you like playing disc golf. You're up in Chicago. Um, you were one of our students and your first experience line, I think that's on your resume, is one that uh, was just talked about by Taha the other day, network engineering here at SIU. So tell mm -hmm. us about your time at, at, at SIU. Um, what did you particularly enjoy in terms of school? What was your interest? I guess, first, I, I guess I should ask, have you always been kind of interested in technology growing up? Uh, yes, I have pretty much been always interested. Um, so, you know, so my father's been in IT for many years. So when I was young, I'd be sitting behind him watching what he's doing on the computer, not understanding a thing, but very interested. And then, you know, later on in life, he's like, all right, here you go. Here's a disk install windows on this box. I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, realized how easy it is to install windows. And if you think he'd ever want to talk to us, let us, you know, put it, put that in, put that <laughs> suggestion to him. Well, uh, funny story. He's also an SIU alum. So really computer science yeah. or um, electronic data processing, I think was his major. So back. So, okay. One. Yeah. Back well, when Halloween was allowed uh, or before Halloween was banned. That was when I was in high school. Uh, I think at the end of high school, I think is when it was banned or maybe when I was just getting into college. Um, <laughs> well, when this podcast comes out and you send it to him, Maybe he'll listen to it and he'll say, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to talk on there too. I've got a lot of wealth of experience. Anyway, um, so you, in, in school, this is a question I ask a lot. Um, did you have a lot of technology class, like learning opportunities growing up in school? Like we, we've, we've heard students who've, you know, had tons of stuff available to them in high school and then others who had to kind of do everything on their own um what was it like did you have much um i had a, i had we had some available and i don't think i realized it until it was too late gotcha um so uh, elementary school not really you know high school you know they had computers and stuff for us to use for whatever project but like i think they had something called oh, i don't even remember what it's called but they had like a tech college where you'd go to a local uh, community college and they had like high school students doing certain courses and one of them was basically LAN. Okay. Um, but at the time I didn't know how interested I was in that. So I, I didn't take part. Okay. Um, yeah. So you, you knew you were coming to SIU, made the decision to come to SIU, uh, new technology was going to be your thing. Um, <laughs> come down here, start your classes. Um, any specific memories or things that you kind of think back on fondly uh stuff you like learning uh in in the formal coursework and then we'll talk about your you know your student job yeah um 
Honestly, I loved all the hands-on type projects we had. Um, I don't remember all the course numbers, but it was, I think, past LAN. Um, it might have been WAN, and then there was another, like, two after that. Yeah, um, 415 and 416. Those were, yep. those were a lot of fun teaching those. Uh, um, it's harder to do that type of technology course courses now just because there's so much online stuff um and and the tech requirements were so challenging at times you know you you remember the stuff that we had was by no means brand new cutting edge equipment it was hand-me-downs and sometimes discs would fail and 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 one time uh ben yablanca who was probably a couple years okay. before you you remember him? I remember. Were you there when he uh, completely just like up and deband my server that I had for classroom stuff? I don't think I was there for that. No. Okay. Well, that's just that's an good. example of some of those challenges, and and I still have that server in the in one of our labs, and it says Tom's server, please do not delete this or something like that is on there <laughs> still, and that's a a shout out to Ben. Um, so yeah, those were fun classes. I miss I miss teaching those classes, and and that was, um, you know, those classes had a lot of just you guys working on stuff and gals, and and mm -hmm. having projects and coming in and figuring out what needed to happen on your own, helping each other, popping in. I'm going to help you on this. I'm going to help you on that. Um, mm -hmm. And it was just kind of a fun, semi-informal, you know, uh, experience. Um, and I got yeah. to I got to know a lot of you guys there which was which was which was cool and that's kind of one of the fun things about this job um i think the biggest challenge out of that type of coursework though was uh you have one class before us who they unplugged everything and then you're like all right guys how did we have it plugged in because now we got to get it right and that was yeah. like you have to spend the first 20 minutes getting that right before you can actually restart yes <laughs> and yeah, those were the fun parts so let me do one thing really quick and this yeah. is this is this is for you um oh and now we're back there jory oh wow <laughs> Oof, the memories <laughs> yeah there we are and you can tell right back oh looks like your cable's unplugged <laughs> oh <laughs> it was you i knew it yeah so network engineering how did you mm -hmm. how did you get plugged in there i mean I, everybody just so many people work there. So many of our students work there, and I'm sure you probably got recommended or somebody introduced you to one of the supervisors type of thing. And and what was that experience like? Yeah. It, overall, the experience was wonderful. Uh, but yes, I got, I think, recommended by, oh my God, Matt, Matt Rushing. He was staying in the Warren uh, third floor with me at the time. And I'm like, hey, how did you find a tech job? And he was like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just recommend you. I'm like, oh, is it that easy? I'm like, well, I mean, I, it'll get you the interview. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. Um, but yeah, no, I think I interviewed at the time with uh, G. Vanya and Kishore mm -hmm. Kaur. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I got hired and I joined the team, uh, or G's, G's team specifically. Um, at the time, what were we doing? I was doing a lot of uh, helping out on the wireless, really just configuring APs. For that first uh, semester, I was there. Okay. Uh, but then eventually, you know, G moved on to, uh, I forgot his role, but he was in a director position. And then the, I was moved to Anton's team. 
Okay. Yeah. And yeah, and and I think G G and 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 Kishore, I think are both maybe in Texas. I think they're both gone. Yeah. Yeah, they left a while ago. Um, and I, I and and Anton is uh, you know, still there, and he gets shouted out a lot by his former uh, student workers here. Um, oh yeah. What was um. So you said, like you said, you were doing wireless stuff. Was that back when they were doing the the big wireless push? Um, uh, yes, I didn't take too much. I, I didn't do a lot of it. I was configuring some APs here and there and then kind of handing it out and some other people would do it. They were kind of just trying to get them out. So there was that push, but I wasn't doing much. And once I moved to Anton's team, responsibility shifted and I was configuring less and less APs. Okay. And so you were doing more of like the DNS and bind and yeah, uh, pretty much uh, all the systems type stuff. Uh, the cool thing was, I think back then we were testing out open source hypervisors and Anton actually let me have pretty much full leeway, gave me a couple servers and we installed Proxmox. Okay. And it was a fun time and we're like, all right, how do we cluster them together? And I, I got to figure stuff out and I'm like, Anton, I don't understand what this is telling me. He's like, well, it's that, duh. I'm like, oh, okay. And and that is um, that's an example, I think, of you know the the um, the I don't know, permission's not the right word. The encouragement, you know, the blessing mm -hmm. to give students the ability to kind of um, find solutions that um, you know, again, are. That, that that maybe aren't uh, available in non-academic or specifically not at SIU. You might, you know, I don't think there's a lot of places where you get an internship or a, a job when you're in, in college and they're just like, hey, here's some stuff for you to work on. It's going to be, you know, here's, here's what you've got and you figure out uh, some solutions that'll fit maybe a need that we've got. Um, and you get to learn and it's your kind of your baby. So that's, um, that's pretty cool. Um, did that transfer over into later when you were working out in the, you know, in the real world, some of those skills that you used or? Uh, yeah, um, like you said, DNS, DHCP, those are two very important things to understand. Um, one thing on our team is, uh, you know, in network engineering, we also had the hand-me-down laptops that they had us use. A lot of them didn't have resources, so everyone put Linux on them. So, you know, you got fully uh -huh. exposed, no Windows. It, it, otherwise, Windows just wouldn't really run well. And you'd be like, all right, it's going to take me about 20 minutes to load up this program. So I'm going to go to the bathroom and come back, and it'll still be going. Uh, but, yeah, we got it fully exposed to Linux, which was awesome. Um, and as you know, Anton doesn't use Windows. He doesn't like Windows. Yes. Yes, I we know that. Um, mm -hmm. I... I worked at a call center in college um, for nine months. No, no, almost a year, uh, right out of year. And we had um, Windows laptops and this was around, this was 2001 and two. And um, man, I'm old. Um, and the laptops, just the image that they put on them by by the, the IT team was, I don't know, I don't remember what happened, what it was, but it was, it took forever. And I mean, we, you know, if you're in, phone support, you do a lot of, hey, you got reboot your computer. I'll wait. And so there was <laughs> a senior guy on our team and 
he would actually be there and he would fall asleep while he was waiting for people to reboot their laptops on the phone. We would look over, he would, he would tell them to reboot. He would um, put his phone on mute and we would, we would be working. We'd all be working. There's about eight of us. And all of a sudden we'd start here, Reggie snoring and we would all look over <laughs> and he was asleep, you know, while they were rebooting these like nine minute long uh, windows, laptops, reboots. So, um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was strange. And, and, um, you know, thankfully today we have SSDs, so yeah. that, that's not yeah. as big of a problem as, as it was 20 years ago for, for, for folks. Um, so you, you did work, uh, like you said, with DHCP and DNS and so those types of things, um, I imagine you probably never did like bind in your jobs, right? You never had to configure bind records and stuff, but knowing how all that stuff works is probably, you know, probably served you well a ton of time since. Yes. And, and we did actually make DNS records, you know, it was kind of cool. Uh, hey, uh, you guys have been given access to DNS, please don't break it. Uh, so, you know, I was doing records. I think there's one request that came in. I think it was from Dr. Soros. I'm like, I'm taking this dibs. I'm going to email him saying I did his DNS record. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that is pretty cool. So you um, anything else at SIU that you remember you want to, you know, anybody else friends that you want to shout out or um, anything cool that you remember that you want to mention before we move on to after college? Um. I mean, plenty of shout outs to all the people I've met and the list is pretty long. Um, but so I don't necessarily want to go into the entire list because I do stay in touch with a, a relatively decent amount. Yeah. And we mentioned we talked about that a little bit before we started. Yeah. Cool. So you started out after graduating and you graduated, I think it was 2015 mm -hmm. and uh, went to Cerner. And mm -hmm. this was, I think, you know, just the other day we talked to Taha and I mentioned on this, um, there was a time frame when Cerner was getting so many SIU grads, um, mm -hmm. tons. And I, I mentioned we had a meetup one time when I was in Kansas City and there was like 32 students. Were you there that? I think that was before you went. Uh, yeah, before my time. Okay. It was probably the year before when we met at this flying saucer and had so many Salukis there just to hang out and eat appetizers <laughs> and stuff. Um, but but Cerner was hiring anybody could they could get. They were they were kind of informally focusing on SIU and and just picking people left and right that were graduating. Um, <laughs> and so how did you did how did you end up deciding to go to Cerner? Was it like a no-brainer uh, were you following some others that went there or just good opportunity at the time you know it was one of those big things that you know you hear everyone going to um and then we talked i talked to who boo rogers oh man and, have you, yeah. are you still in touch with him i am not okay. uh I, I think i know a few people who are but i haven't been in touch with him in quite a while but he basically recommends cerner talked it up he's like dude it's great here He's like, I'm sent, I'm putting in a, a recommendation for you. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. I, I didn't necessarily ask for it, but I'm like, I'm not going to complain. Uh, but the interview process was really straightforward compared to others. It was more of a conversation versus a full-blown, you're being interrogated. 
Um, so I, 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 that kind of appealed to me. I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm working with normal people potentially. Normal people. That's important to understandable people. Yeah. And, and I think we could probably, uh, I mean, there's a ton that could be learned from just talking to people about their interview process, because you're describing something that's pretty, um, what's the opposite of intimidating? Uh, the opposite of intimidating. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I can't think of the word now that we're on Friendly, non-confrontational. I mean, it was like they were, you know, they, they which, which I'm, I'm, I'm contrasting this to what was told the other day about somebody who said they had a five-hour interview. Um, and and exactly. And I think, you know, probably a lot of that has to do where you're at in your career. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when you're right out of school, you probably can't have a five-hour interview um, yeah. in most cases. Um, but the company, you know, was uh, fairly laid back. You know, they kind of gave this impression of being like the Midwest kind of Silicon Valley type company, um, lots of perks and stuff like that, at least when I went out there and, and met with them. Um, and that brought a lot of people and they offered you a position. And when you went there, what did you start doing? Um, what was your role? What were you hired in to do? So I was hired into what they referred to as the time was an academy system engineer. So they basically put you maybe five, maybe somewhere between five to eight weeks of training where, you know, you kind of get exposed to just how Cerner is, uh, basic Linux, basic AIX, uh, basic HPUX. Uh, there was VMS was the other. Luckily, I never had to touch that one. I heard uh, horror stories about that. Um, and then at the end of it, there or around the end of it, they put you through kind of a speed dating process, and you meet with several team managers and whatnot. Um, and eventually, and you know, you rate them, and they rate you, and you hopefully uh, end up on the team you rated the highest. Uh, and and, and there. They- I- yeah, and 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 the managers hopefully end up with the people that they rate the highest. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's not the first time I've heard the term speed dating used for mm-hmm. describing the the Cerner interview process, um, or the matching process, I guess. When when mm-hmm. and and another thing to point out is that um, when you go into a a um, you know like Cerner, like Boeing. Uh, at least they used to have, you know, these these big, um, very well established, very formal, you know, entry career path, getting started type of programs, and 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 that's what you did because um, they're hiring a lot of people all at once, uh, a lot of them right out of school, and they want everybody to have kind of the, at least the same basic knowledge of of. You know whatever they deem is foundational, so that they are off to the races when they get started. And so, when when you know one of the things a lot of students worry about is you know I don't know this or I don't know that, and that's kind of one of the benefits of going to one of these larger organizations is there's a lot of support um, in terms of getting training and um, getting prepared so that you can be successful because. If they're going to all the effort and the time and the expense to hire somebody, they they want you to be success, successful, and so they're you know they're they're going to work to do that. Um, yeah. So 
who did you end up, you know, selecting during the speed dating or who, who selected you? How did, how did that shake out? Um, I, so during the entire speed dating process, I was trying to take notes. So I'd remember who I was talking to and what they did. And mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I couldn't keep up. <laughs> there was so that I'm many. Like, I'm, yeah. Like it was, I want to say there was like 12 and you had just a few minutes to talk to everybody. Um, I want to say my like top one was like consulting, you know, like, oh yeah, we go out, we stand up VMware environments for our clients. It's great. And I'm like, Ooh, that'd be fun. I think that was my number one. And maybe my number three is what I actually got put in, which ended up being client operations for the West coast. Um, but yeah, and then I stayed there for all of my time at Cerner. What is client operations? So basically kind of the managed services team. So we're the ones interacting with the clients. We have the relationship. Uh, you need some new packages or code loaded. We would do that. You need troubleshooting done. Almost everything would come to us first. Um, uh, so easiest way to put it, we were kind of the dumping ground. Everyone would come to us and then we would try to span it out if we couldn't deal with it or we would deal with it. So I, I should have said this before, but I just kind of assume everybody knows Cerner is a uh, the number two, I think, electronic medical records company. So they have gotten to where their software solutions can do everything, almost everything that a healthcare organization needs to do from, you know, like emergency department stuff and and uh, integrating with other types you know some some of the the medical hardware and just you know just a solution for hospitals and healthcare systems mm -hmm. and so you were um there assigned to the west coast customers and it was a hosted thing right these these mm -hmm. customers that were choosing to deploy or choosing to not deploy the the Cerner products themselves but to have you guys hosted and then connect into it through a cloud provider and and your role was to be on a team that was like doing anything that the customers asked sort of a lot of it was kind of a catch-all but you know yeah it, it was technically their private cloud as you could call it like they just didn't need to know where it was hosted gotcha. as long as it was hosted gotcha and uh cerner i remember when i toured there they talked about their data centers um and and where they were at physically and I know I had read, and maybe you, and this is just an interesting fact, that that because Kansas City is uniquely located in an area that there's a lot of underground caves. Um, that I didn't know. You're not familiar with this? Look it up. No. Kansas City has okay. a huge network of underground caves that have been used for like uh, cool storage for foods and stuff like that. Um, and I thought that they were starting to do data centers yeah. there. So yes, I, yeah, uh, it's interesting. pretty interesting. I saw I saw a video about it, but I thought I remembered. Um, I'm pretty sure that there was a a push to make data centers there because it's cold down in the, um, you know, in caves. You know, it's chilly. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I never. I always wondered. I wonder if Cerner has a data center down in the caves below the city area. But that would be cool. So I guess you don't. You can't answer that question. Uh, no, I, I can't. I just don't know. <laughs> That's right. So, so you you never were sent down with a you know a headlamp and a hard helmet into the caves to 
climb through a bunch of stalactites and reboot a, a server in the and the, the unfortunately stuff. not i 100% would have though just hearing that story i'm like that that would have been cool i'm going to have to along with this information put a link to caves in kansas city for the students to look at if they're interested anyway um so did you do a lot of traveling i i did not i did maybe three trips, three or four trips total. Okay. Um, but yeah, a lot of them were client visits, uh, just meet the client, stuff like that. Um, th probably the best, not the, it was the best trip for me, but not for the client. It was actually middle of COVID. Uh, a giant customer got hit by ransomware and they had about maybe eight hospitals down, 35,000 PCs down. And they basically just asked Cerner, like, hey, do you have bodies you can send? We can't hit all of these on our own. And I got lucky and they're like, hey, do you want to go to Vegas for a trip? I'm like, sure. I'm not going to say no to Vegas. So ended up going to Vegas literally the next day after they asked me. And just help try to respond to the ransomware problem? Pretty much. Like we were, they already had most of it done. They've deployed kind of, hey, everything's been re-imaged. Now they just need to come up and get on the network. And anything that doesn't come on the network, here's everything you need to do to make sure it gets set up right. Wow. So you'd see us going from computer to computer on every floor in every hospital in offices. We were being worked. I had a experience when I worked at a, a place in Chicago. Um, and I was one of the I was the the frontline first support person for a um, a company, and we had three different buildings downtown Chicago on Ontario, and it was like two floors in this building, the next building over three floors, and the next building over another three floors. So it was spread out across mm -hmm. these three different buildings. And one Monday morning, uh, one of their one of the salespeople or something brought in a laptop, and I think it was like the blaster worm or something. It was it was a worm, and they popped it on our network. Uh, and within minutes, everybody's calling that their computers keep rebooting because the worm was killing the LSASS process that was that was crashing, and so it would reboot with a countdown. And so something is this reminded me because we were you know we figured out how to fix it because one of the things that that worm did was was mess up your host file so that when you would try to go to like Norton or Windows Update it would prevent you from. So one thing we did was, I remember this, it was um, the place did all their own in-house coding for their solutions. And so I had to help create um, documentation and print it out real quick and write it up and give floppy disks to the, you know, the high pollutant developers. Um, mm -hmm. So they had to help walk around and they were plugging in disks, rebooting in safe mode. And all these folks that would never walk around and touch to a user's computer we're kind of doing the same thing, walking around the entire place, patching stuff and and making it so that they could start back over without having the worm take them down every every time they rebooted. Um, so I and I, and I under, so I understand that you know that pressure um, and the kind of all hands on deck thing you just described. Mm -hmm. And so you got a free trip to Vegas out of it. I did. It was, uh, but you know, you didn't really enjoy Vegas as much. We were literally working 12 hours a day and you're like, oh man, I'm exhausted. By the time you just want to get off your feet because you've been running around, basically learning how every healthcare professional has it every day. Yeah. 
but they were all very appreciative. The best part of that was literally seeing after I just left one wing, I literally saw a nurse run over and hug her computer because it was running again. Wow. I'm like, oh, that, that's cute. And they, they really got hit hard. And that's that's so scary because healthcare organizations have been hit by ransomware so bad. Um, I think England, their their NIH got hit. You know, that's this like the centralized healthcare uh, system um, a few years back, if I recall correctly. And that's that's scary. You know, that's that's a terrible yeah. thing that we we have to deal with. I think that's one of the scariest things that um, that that is associated with being an IT professional. Um, mm-hmm. r- ransomware and the real world costs. You know, it's not like you know, 15 years ago when a the 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 hack of the day was somebody defacing a website, you know, uh, and just putting like you know Tom was here lol or something like that. <laughs> it's scary stuff. It's costing billions and it's you know affecting lives. And you know mm-hmm. that situation you described. I'm sure it has. You know, somebody could die from from not being able to have their provider look up their their medical history or have access to you know, imaging or, or something that was hey, in Tom, that you cut out. Can't hear you anymore. Oh gosh. Um, is this better? Yep. I can hear you. Okay. Uh, anyway, let's, let's, let's move on. I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> we, we've got oh. 20 minutes left. Um, so, so you, you had decided at some point that, um, Cerner was, uh, you know, no, no longer where you wanted to work and, and tell us, what that was like the the move to a new company and 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 the interview process if you want to uh and then what up to what you're doing today sure um the exit process you know wasn't terrible you know i was interviewing at different places for a while just to you know hear what they had to say learn what they do see how it goes and you know just practice for interviews in general um and then i got put in touch with a a manager at a company called Tech Data. Okay. Um, and, you know, she and I just had a conversation one day so I could tell her, hey, this is where I'm at. You know, I'm I'm at the point where I'm ready to leave. And, you know, she she heard me out and stuff like that. She's like, I have a position open, but I don't think you're ready for it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, I appreciate you taking the time, of course. Uh, but pro- maybe six months to maybe a year later, I don't remember exactly, but she reached back out and said, hey, I have a position open. You you said you knew Linux and kind of Red Hat, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm familiar with some pieces of it. And, you know, she remembered me. She had me apply and we went through the interview process and I got the job. Moved on to the next chapter. And so tech data, is this the the tech data, the huge reseller that's been around forever? Uh, yes, they so they're actually a distributor. OK, a distributor, <laughs> not a reseller. Correct. Okay, because I remember back in in the late '90s when I was a I was a purchasing manager at a computer store in town. That was one of our our vendors. I think mm-hmm. um, was buying uh, equipment, hardware, RAM, hard drives, and things like that. Pentium two processors, stuff stuff go. like that from from Tech Data or uh, other vendors who got the stuff from Tech Data because they were one of the. Are they still one of the biggest distributors? They are. So they about a year later, or actually, sorry, not a year later, uh, less than a few months later, they merged with another large distributor called Cynix. Absolutely. So we are a few now months after TD you started. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, now we are 100% the number one largest distributor out there. And so in a, in addition to um, s- distributing products, IT stuff, technology, hardware, software, um, the role that you have today is, is field solutions architect. What exactly is a field solutions architect? So um, if you go to any company and you see solutions architect, it's a relatively generic title. But um, my title is somewhat in line with uh, the company Red Hat. So if you go to Red Hat, you're not going to find many pre-sales engineers. They're all solution architects. So my title kind of lined up with them because I was working with the Red Hat vendor. Um, But basically, my role is to, you know, join pre-sales calls, answer technical questions about a product that they're considering buying or they're just looking for a product in general, and I'm there to help them understand what this product does and how it can fit into their organization. And, so, you know, go ahead. No, you keep going. Uh, so that, and um, also one of our main roles is also enablement. So teaching our resellers or partners in our sense, um, how to use these products. And sometimes even help host workshops for them virtually right now, just because of the COVID and not everyone's wanting to do in person still. But basically, you know, we take them through, hey, this is how you use the product. Here you go. Have a hands-on experience. Uh, We'll let you go ahead, but we'll walk you through it after you have had a few minutes to try. So when I or, you know, when, when, when somebody hey, I need to get a new router because my Wi-Fi is not fast enough. And you go to Walmart or you go to Best Buy. We don't have a Best Buy anymore. It closed two years back. Uh, But when you go, you're like, "Eh, this one looks good. This one looks good. This is a little cheaper, blah, blah, blah. You're figuring that stuff out yourself and you're picking out the product. And, you know, when you're doing it, and that happens too in, in the IT realm, but when you're talking about a company going out and spending millions of dollars to buy a solution or a new data center worth of stuff or you know a a or or the the red hat software for that data center and solutions you know and support and stuff like that there's a lot of questions and you can't um you know you can't if you're not qualified or if you don't know all that stuff we need somebody like you to help and answer you know to make sure that things are going to work with the products that you purchase, because um, one tech data or TD Synex, that mm-hmm. I say it, yep. TD Synex, yep. if they are going out and they're selling a customer a million dollars worth of Red Hat software or Red Hat services, and it's not the right stuff or it's not the right thing for the particular problem they're trying to solve, that makes them look terrible. And it makes the mm-hmm. customer unhappy. And so your role, you know, across industries is is so important, but sometimes maybe not thought about in terms of how important it is, because you're helping to make sure things that that the that the right solution, the right um, tools are 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 chosen and planned for um, so that people have good experiences and the problem gets solved quickly and with the you know, the appropriate amount of cost to the, the customer. Is that, mm-hmm. is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that, that's hundred percent accurate. Um, 
the only slight uh, thing that's off there is, you know, tech data being the distributor, we actually work with our partners. And so they'll be on the call, but we're essentially an extension of their team from a technical perspective. Because, um, you know, they're either maybe they're focused just on implementation. They don't necessarily have a pre-sales engineer who's willing to get on the phone or maybe they're just not good at the talking part. I don't know. But we essentially help them out with that. So they're the ones actually selling it and the, the people buying it from. But what they don't see is the partners actually coming to us to buy the product and talk to us about next steps. Okay. So a lot of, um, is this a lot of email communication, a lot of phone calls and Zooms and WebExes and things like that for you? Pretty much emails, phones, meetings, all the good stuff. And 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 you are there to help make sure that whatever customer A or, you know, um, the middle, the middleman between <laughs> you and the customer uh, is helping to propose is, is the correct, uh, the correct thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're just there, you know, we're in the end, we want to make the customers happy. And, you know, sometimes, hey, this really isn't the right fit for you guys. We'll tell you that. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the times is we can always come up with a way to say, hey, this can work this way. This will do this. And a lot of the times, at least, you know, that's just happens to be the luck of the vendor I'm, I work with. So Red Hat. So I think I have good luck because of that. So you you've been um, that's I mean, Red Hat is your sphere of 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 knowledge and and expertise now yep uh, i do a lot of red hat and i'm a bit of a I, generalist with ibm lately but still focus on red hat quite a bit okay so with ibm what kind of tools and solutions have you have you worked with recently if that's something you can say sure um so ibm's big push is for like their cloud packs so basically they fit in a whole bunch of solutions into a package essentially and they call it a cloud pack and they have like different cloud packs like six main ones so cloud pack for data which encompasses data analytics types tools uh cloud pack for security so security monitoring tools um automation uh which in, can, for business automation and like network automation um and some other uh artificial intelligence type operation stuff uh, you know, I usually say all these all the time, but now I forgot them. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. What about Q radar? Q radar? Uh, we do have that in our lab, actually. I know a security guy who can talk about it for hours. Okay, because that's something in in the enterprise security class I'm trying to introduce this semester. I started with it last semester, and their community edition left a lot to be desired. Um, and, and since the, the IBM has the academic initiative program, I, th I think that's what it's called. Um, we can get the full new stuff. It's just uh, a lot more effort to get going from what I found than the the free sort of kind of, a I don't know, it seems like it's kind of abandoned, the community edition. Um, yeah. And the curator is uh, no joke by any means. It, it takes a minute. Even the enterprise version is a challenge to install and get working. Yeah. And that's where I was at. And I still, I think I have, if I would, if I was to look, I think you would see the, a paused VM halfway in the, the, the middle of finding Red Hat dependencies or RPMs or something on my, my, my system here from a month ago uh, that I need to finish before the school semester starts. So in, anyway, <laughs> separate. Yeah. Um, so that's, um, can you, can you tell us, any certifications have they have they sent you to any specific training? Does certifications play a role 
in in your job because you're kind of in this so working so tightly or, or closely or 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 with these specific vendors yeah so sorry give me just one second time someone's knocking at my door sure just gonna Sorry about that. That's it's okay. Maintenance. Are you at Are you at home or are you at the office? Oh, I, I work from home. Okay, gotcha. All right, we'll finish yep. this up. We'll be done in eight minutes. Yep. We, we can take extra time since I stepped away too. That's totally fine if you need it. Okay. Um, certifications. Yes. So we so they do actually uh, provide trainings and they're like uh, partner invited training. So they don't have it have your customers do it. They want your like resellers, implementers be able to take it so they know what they're doing and they know how to sell it sort of thing. So I have gone to some in-person trainings that were absolutely wonderful. Uh, they also have like training portals where you can take all the like basically trainings you would normally have to pay for, mm -hmm. but you, they give it to you for free for partners. And this is Red so Hat? Because, not... uh, this is IBM and Red Hat. A lot of vendors do this sort of thing, actually. And and some of these might be the stuff that our students get access to, like the RHSA, yeah. um, and and a couple of those. I think that we have Ansible training now through the Red Hat Academy. Um, Ooh, Ansible's fun. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, but yeah, certifications are a big thing. Um, a lot of times, some vendors actually require you to have certifications because that might get you a better price when you're purchasing something through them. And um, and it makes your customers or your the the folks you work with a little more confident in your your capabilities very true like you know you've gone through and taken the time to take some of these trainings um you know so at least for ibm they used to make you actually take full-blown courses you had to go get a proctored exam so you did have to study it you did have to review it and even for red hat uh, i didn't go and get any of their certifications but i've looked into it and it's like a four-hour hands-on exam so okay. you definitely have to know the knowledge. And if you get that, you're pretty solid. Okay. So that might be something in your future, maybe? It's on the list. It's been on the list for a while, though. Gotcha. And I, under yeah. I understand that. I need to yeah. renew my Palo Alto certification. And that's been on my list. I think I didn't realize. I think it expired two years ago. Um, oh. But but that's okay. They still let me work with it. Stuff. So. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, another thing, uh, technical certifications are what most people are familiar with, but but these companies, Red Hat and IBM, I assume they've got like a, a sales certification too and training specifically for people to know how to sell their products and get familiar with them. Okay. Yep. They call it, um, IBM specifically calls it, you know, tech sales badges and they're like cool little badges. You can throw it on your LinkedIn saying, hey, I, I took this course. I passed it. Stuff like that, and they IBM calls them full blown proficiencies. They make you take the sales, and they make you take the little bit of the technical too. Nice. So, do you like um, being in a role where you've got like this this charge to 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 really hone in and focus on these two vendors? I do, because um, you know what? At least for me, I get thrown right into it. So I get to see all the technical aspects of it. I get to see how they work. And even IBM will come to us and say, hey, uh, you know, we've got a whole team who already automated the install. 
how what did it go when you did it all manually? I'm like, oh, it went absolutely terribly. And you know, they actually appreciate the feedback. And I'm like, this is why it went so badly. Uh, these this isn't documented. This could be documented a little better, stuff like that. Okay. So they're willing to hear us because we're such a big partner with them and we're trying to help them sell these products. Yeah, because it's you know ultimately better for for you, for IBM and the customers. Exactly. Nobody wants things to not work right, you know, especially especially when you invest significant amounts of time and money and effort. That's 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 for certain. Um, What is kind of, I guess, um, what's your day to day like? And you work from home. Um, So my day to day is, uh, you know, uh, pretty simple. So my role has somewhat shifted i manage one of uh so td cynics has what they refer to as solution centers but it's kind of like a development lab type of things where you know you can learn the products you can demo them easily you have them on hand uh we have one that i kind of run which is unique where we wanted to be able to give our partners an on-demand type demo environment so they don't necessarily need us to do the demos they just need a place to log in and environments kind of built out for them. So they can play around because they're 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 knowledgeable enough that they can, you know, figure things out and 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 decide this is what we want or or try this particular thing that they're maybe exactly. okay. Exactly. And like usually they're they already know they want to sell it, but there's times where like we need to have a built demo that doesn't get torn down on whatever IBM system. So we stand it up for them. And we say, hey, here you go. And uh, have fun. And, you know, most part is some partners know exactly what they're doing. Or some will say, hey, have you ever seen this error before? And then I get pulled in those directions like I haven't, but let's take a look into it. Cool. And so you kind of have like a job where you get to play in your, you know, your company's lab at times and, and just learn what you do, what you want to help customers solve problems. Pretty much. And I get exposed to all kinds of technologies, even outside of IBM and Red Hat, you know, VMware, uh, Veeam, Kasten, all like a lot of backup type solutions, some cool stuff. That's pretty neat. Uh, Any. okay, so um, what this is for a class, a different class, Uh, backup Mm -hmm. solutions, anything cool that's out there for just like a general kind of all around good backup solution? I mean, I, I used to use uh, the the Symantec and the Veritas stuff, um, mm-hmm. but what what what's kind of what what are you selling or what are people using a lot now? And um, I, not necessarily, ones? not necessarily. I know, I know Veeam, but aside from that, for like you know your file stores and things like that. Mm. Well, the big one really is Veeam, um, purely because it's so easy to configure. You install it. Oh, it's button clicks done. Yeah. Um, sorry, muting that. Um, and then from there, I don't do much in the backup space, but as far as the physical like storage that people use for backups, a lot of folks use NetApp. Actually, a lot of people use IBM's and they have what's kind of no IBM's flash system, which has like immutable backups. So you can take a full backup of using whatever tool, but uh, it's called Spectrum Storage, I think. They might have changed it by now. Okay. But it's apparently very big, a cool backup utility. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I get mean, more exposed to IBM, so not many other vendors. 
Okay. I'm making some notes. Okay. Anything um, last about your job? And then we'll wrap up with a, a couple of my, my fun questions that I like to do at the end. Sure. Well, actually, real quick, one kind of cool thing to mention mm -hmm. about the backups topic. I don't know if you happen to hear about Kasten K10. It's one of my more favorite backup solutions these days. Uh, they were recently bought by Veeam, or not recently, but it's been a while. But they have a great backup solution for cloud native apps. So basically Kubernetes type applications, stuff like that. And they have a really nice product. So if you guys ever kind of start teaching them about containerized applications and the orchestration tools. Okay. They're doing some of that in what was the WAN class? It's now called this. It's a now a system administration class. It's really heavy on the Red Hat stuff. So mm -hmm. I think that they're they're talking about Kubernetes and some of that stuff in there. Um, mm -hmm. But um, but I like to talk about some of that in part of the enterprise security. Um, so so I'll I'll I'm, I just pulled that up. I'm going to check that stuff out. Thank you. Um, yeah, all right. So we have uh, one quick question. Sure. Do you have any advice for the students listening who are about to enter the career field? Um, remember that you don't have to know everything. Um, just show you're willing to learn it. And, you know, if you're in an interview, they mention a term that you've never heard of, write it down, look it up later. So you know what it is the next time they bring it up. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Five questions to wrap this up. Are you ready? Ready for you. What is your favorite kind of food? Is there a specific restaurant or cuisine that you really, really enjoy? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm, you know, I'm always enjoy good old pizza and wings. Okay. In uh, Chicago, tell me, tell me what's your go-to for pizza. Oh, so for, you know, your normal thin crust type stuff, I usually go Rosati's. Okay. And you can never get a bad pie from them. If you do, it's just mayhem. Uh, but deep dish Lumonati's. Okay. And that's my second favorite, uh, Chicago pizza <laughs> after Pequod's, of course. And Ooh, Pequod's is good, yeah. But that's, you know, you've got to be in that location. And mm -hmm. I've, I've had a couple people reach out and tell me that Pequod's was featured on the show The Bear, uh, which I haven't, oh. I haven't watched yet. And I have was just sent by Travis Cooper yesterday. I don't know if you remember Travis. He might have been a year or two before. I've heard the name. He mm -hmm. uh, he was yeah. We he was on the, this podcast earlier this year, but he sent me a a video that was instructions on how to make the Pequod's pizza. So I forwarded that directly onto my wife because she makes she she makes handmade pizzas at times, and I'm hoping wow. within the next week we'll get the copycat pizza served here <laughs> at our house because one of the biggest um, the 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 biggest. Uh, components of that recipe is fresh basil and i've got this giant fresh you know basil plant right outside my front door so Hello. so anyway but lumal nutties yes love that place my wife worked there when we were in college right across the street i mean a minute less than a minute 30 seconds to walk there and she worked there uh for several years and brought home pizzas every saturday night almost and man and it's getting it's 9 30 but i need a pizza right now <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's totally okay it's all right morally acceptable it is any books movies tv shows podcasts that you have been enjoying recently that you'd like to recommend yeah for all those uh tech nerds out there like myself uh a one podcast i started listening to maybe a year ago was called the home lab show oh, okay 
And, you know, because at least for me, you know, I need to get my hands on. I need to learn stuff that way. So I wanted to get their ideas for what can I do to have a little home lab? And they go into some really cool topics. They're big into open source because, you know, you're not necessarily going to buy enterprise stuff for your home lab. But you learn about a whole bunch of technologies. These two guys who host it have had enterprise experience and they have very cool home labs as well. That's pretty neat. And I have heard from folks who are, you know, involved in the hiring of of people, uh, interviewing um, that when they hear a student say, hey, this is what I've been working on in my home lab, that immediately mm-hmm. like piques their interest and and helps them kind of, you know, feel that this is somebody who wants to keep learning and they're going to do it themselves too, um, because it's their hobby or it's their passion. And, and that makes a, a difference and an impact at times. Mm-hmm. Um, any other books or, or TV shows or anything? Um, books wise, not much. I, I don't read too much. I read a lot of articles, um, gotcha. but I haven't sat down and read a real novel in a while. Okay. And, and, and this question I, I ask sometimes because I'm always trying to find a good TV show to watch next. So, okay. but, 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 uh, but let's go to the next one. I mean, there... I, I, there's always a list of TV shows for you if you need it. Uh, the bear is actually good. I've seen the first season. So I, I do recommend. I'm going to watch that as soon as we finish succession. So, oh, ooh, I just finished that too. That was great. Cool. Well, if you come across anything, make sure you send me, you know, send me an email and tell me, Give me a heads up. Um, Have you at least watched Ted Lasso? Yes. Yes. Okay. Whew. That one's good. <laughs> and I want to rewatch it as soon as I can find another free Apple TV, you know, month or something like that. <laughs> I get you. Um, okay. Uh, is there an area of technology that you are interested in learning more about or exploring for personal or work? Um. I'm trying to, so I haven't been exposed to networking much since college. Okay. Um, my roles have kind of shifted. So I'm trying to re remember all the concepts, the basics, you know, I remember the basic stuff, but as you get more complicated, you have to really remember research again. So I'm trying to remember all those basics right now. So I've got on my home lab, um, I do have a little firewall, separate B switch type stuff. And I'm trying to practice that sort of thing actually manage a little firewall in a little WAN within the LAN. cool cool um yeah because i mean software defined networking and all sorts of stuff has changed and evolved since since you probably took those classes eight nine years ago exactly neat uh okay so what do you think you'd like to be doing in five to ten years um right now i i still love what i'm doing so i at the moment i'd stay here uh maybe just have some more hands helping me doing more but beyond that uh you know i i really do like what i do i'm getting exposed to all kinds of different technologies new concepts and i get to talk with incredibly smart people to be like oh hey have you seen this new thing i'm like i haven't but i'm going to stop what i'm doing to go check it out and i have written down several of those new things that you've mentioned uh, for me to check out uh, later on. Nice. Awesome. All right. Last question. If you could retire today and do anything you want, money is no object. Uh, maybe you ran, you, you won the billion dollar Powerball last night. Uh, what would you be doing? Ooh. I would probably go buy a house, but I, I've always wanted to do this. 
I do not necessarily have the skills, but I would definitely attend YouTube University to do it. I would love to find an old car and try to restore it all on my own. Any particular type of car? Honestly, I'm I'm pretty partial to like Mustangs. Okay. So like a 1960s, like a fastback Mustang or something like that. If I could find one, yeah, sure. I would love to do that sort of thing. That's cool. The guy, um, uh, Jim, another SIU alum from last week, uh, he is also into classic cars and he's up there in Schaumburg, I think, or, or, or so, oh, so, somewhere I'm near you. Yeah. 10 minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he works for GE healthcare. He's on the podcast if you want to okay. listen, but yes, that's one of his cool. hobbies too. And I think he mentioned the same thing. So that's, that's awesome. That is a, an area uh, my, my middle son, he's constantly checking out Facebook marketplace for cars that a 13 year old obviously can't buy, but are of interest. So he's starting early. He's, he's started several years ago. <laughs> he's like and, preparing you now. And, and the thing is he is good at saving money. So he may actually pull off buying a car with, <laughs> you know, when he gets, gets ready in three years. That's so awesome. Joy, this has been a lot of fun. I uh, really appreciate your time. I'm sorry we went a few minutes over. Um, thanks again. I have really enjoyed talking to you, and it's it's always great catching up. Yeah, you know, thank you for having me, and likewise, great talking to you as well and catching up. Cool.